0: Not you're saying things Jesus would say, not even you're feeling things Jesus would feel. So that's great. Let's feel and say. But when you're doing what Jesus would do, then you get to be called a little Christ.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation podcast. I'm so excited to bring you today's featured conversation with Brian Tome. In my conversation with Brian today, we talk about adventure as a spiritual discipline about what it means to get uncomfortable and how that creates space for life change and the Holy Spirit. We also talk about meaningful friendship, particularly for guys, because we all know it can be sometimes a little difficult for guys to connect, or at least different than it is than our female counterparts. Uh, I love this little uh, quick and meaningful conversation that I get to have with Brian. I think you will too. Also, don't forget, uh, we're still in January, which means that we're still running our contest for some book giveaways. That's right, everybody who signs up on our email list, between now and the end of January, 2020 is entered to win uh, one of the books of the authors who have been on the podcast. In 2020, we've got some incredible authors, guys like Justin McRoberts from our last episode, Brian Tome, Josh Gagnon, and we are giving away some of their books. Charles Causey, one of my mentors, coming up in 2020, um, I know that you're gonna love, love, love these books. So the way to enter, sign up at twmilt.com, twmilt.com. Also, anywhere you listen to uh, this podcast, it'd be super helpful if you could leave a rating or review. Helps other people find it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the lead pastor of Crossroads Church, Brian Tome. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm excited and honored to have Brian Tome on the podcast today. Brian, how are you?
0: I am great. Utterly great, Tony. Thanks for
1: having me on. Hey, I really appreciate it. And one of the things that I've noticed in the ministry that you're doing um, at Crossroads and really throughout the United States is this idea of experiential encounters with God. Uh, Where did you... Where did that kind of resonate in your heart, and and how did that kind of grow into an idea that seems to be gaining popularity every every time I see it?
0: Well, what uh, what, what do you mean by experiential encounters? A uh,
1: uh, man camp, and what you're doing with Phantom Lake, and some of the things that are out Got there it. that are that just kind of like uh, really calling people to do something different and not just read or
0: observe. Right, great, great, great question. There, there's a few few different things going uh, going on there, Tony. One is. <laughs> You know, when we look at the scriptures, the things that are recorded, the things that move us are all experiences. Mm. If we try to geek out over what exactly was going on with why the golden lamp stands in the temple and why the, why the priest had the, had the breastplate they had on and why the palm, uh, I don't know. What we do know is it was an experience, it was a spectacle for people to go and encounter worship. All the smells, all the bells, all that stuff. R- miracles recorded in the Bible. P- Jesus ministry grew because people were experiencing something beyond just his teaching. His teaching was an on-ramp or his, rather his experiences, and the miracles were an on-ramp to his teaching in many situations. So in ministry, if all we're doing is giving people, you know, mentally mental, new ideas or new fodder, things that make you go, Hmm, a new twist <laughs> in a Bible verse, something like that. Right. You're not going to go undergo, spiritual transformations that's one element of it the other element of it is there's an old book uh, business principle from about 20 years ago uh i don't know how if you're old enough to know this because you look like you're younger than i am we look at each other on skype Um, (laughs) yeah i'm 39 how old old are you 39 all right you're younger than me Uh, do you remember the whole phrase red ocean blue ocean i don't okay so it was a big business term uh, they came in a book, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, something like that. And, and the premise was this, is you know, if you want to go and you want to hunt for a shark, you take your boat out in the ocean, you, you chum up the water, you put some blood out there, the shark smells it and the sharks come and, and that's what you do. And that's where all the fishing boats are, the red water. And you could be led to, as the theory goes in business, you can be thinking, oh, this is where everybody is. This, I, need, I need to do this. But the ones who really make it big, who make a lot, a lot of money, realize that there's way, 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 way more sharks in the blue ocean than there is right here in the red ocean. Mm. And so if you can figure out a way to draw in sharks different ways and go to different places, huge, huge opportunities is there. So when we look at the, I look at the kingdom of God, the red ocean, where everybody is, is weekend services. Everyone right. is there. You know, when Crossroads started in '96. There was very few people doing what we were doing. Very, very, very few. I might say we were the only ones with, the, with some of the nuances we had um, of not wearing a suit jacket, having avant-garde humor, playing sure. video uh, clips, creating our own videos, just stupid just a bunch of stuff, right? Well, that, there's hundreds, there's hundreds of churches that do that now. All over all over the country. And in fact, people leave crossroads and go to other churches all the time. That stuff just isn't that special. Now, it's still Red Ocean. I mean, there's a lot of people there. And I still want to use those old methods, bringing people together for worship and scriptural teaching and having to be wisdom, all that stuff. But personally for me, the masses are not in our buildings. Mm. The masses are out there in the ocean someplace else. And so we've got to get more people in the kingdom of God. Who are thinking of things beyond the next cool sermon series I can do, and and what's the and what's the what's the next what's the next you know worship song I can do that's going to get a million streams on YouTube? Hey hey hey! Newsflash! Newsflash! People who are going to be reached through worship music are already being reached through worship music. Right. So if you, if you want, I love it! I love it! I love it! Right. Hey, newsflash, newsflash, you're starting a church and you think you're reaching the unchurched the first weekend. fifth percent of everybody's going, hands are up. Newsflash, you're not reaching anybody. You're getting people who are in the Red Ocean or coming from other churches. And maybe they need to be at your church. But let's be serious. You're not doing the Great Commission. You're just getting people with the normal chum in the water. So we've got to have experiences and people and real apostles going places and doing things that other people aren't doing. So you mentioned a couple of them. The stuff we do with camps and whatever I've talked enough. so a bunch of stuff like that. No,
1: nah, I I do I I love it. I think it's so important. And one of the themes that I see is I was kind of uh, like looking at what you're doing is this idea of adventurous. Oh, what does adventure do as a spiritual discipline, or, or is it even safe to call it that?
0: I think it's safe to call that as long as we amend it a lot. Adventure does not have to be camping adventure does not have to be motorcycles adventure does not have to be um, uh, skydiving adventure is getting to a place physically getting to a place where you're uncomfortable and when things go wrong that's when it's really an adventure you can you you can be driving to your grandmother's house and in a snowstorm but once you get a flat tire and you got to change it in the middle of the middle of the <laughs> adventure right so i'm a big fan of adventure because adventure is a simulation for spiritual formation we get spiritually formed when things go wrong unto you it has been granted to suffer according to his name there is just a thing that happens when things go wrong and so i believe if you can you can learn in a environment like camping or hiking or whatever your brand of adventure is to enjoy that and deal with things going wrong deal with things being uncomfortable I think you're going to be more steeled to deal with the spiritual formation that God's going to do in you which happens when things go wrong wait I don't know about you Tony I just grow more spiritually when I'm any place other than on a beach reading a book right I love being on the beach, reading the book. There, there is something there. I can read a book about Christ that's okay, but boy, you can't take that for very long. But man, you can really be formed when you're in a place where God is pressing you and, uh, and, and conforming you.
1: Let me ask about that pressing for just a minute because I, I think that for a lot of people, when they're pressed, when they're up against opposition, which may be adventurous and maybe planned or unplanned, um, there's one of two ways that people can go. They can go closer to Christ, or in some ways, they can go uh, away from Christ. When I, I was in the Army, and one of the things that we noticed is on the way back from deployment, a lot of our soldiers um, were so burnt from all of the, I'm going to use air quotes, adventure, but all from all the trauma, really, that they couldn't lean into God. They, they didn't feel like they could lean into God no more. How do we, as, as leaders and as ministers, how do we make sure that people, when they come to that crisis moment or that adventurous moment, lean into their faith versus stepping away.
0: Well yeah I think PTSD happens when there's nonstop adventure, non-stop right. high adrenaline yeah. moments, nonstop I'm in an uncomfortable situation and I can't get out of it. Um the kind of adventures I'm talking about is there is brief moments mm. of high stress, brief moments of discomfort and then you're sitting around a fire, campfire a few hours later, you're laughing about it and you're saying, I can't believe what we did today. Yeah, I mean, you guys process it, right? Right, right. So at our camps, we have man camp, woman camp, couples camp, uh, vet camp, father-son camp, mother-daughter camp. We've got a bunch of different... That's the key element of them is the campfire times at night after people have pooped in the woods, after people have cleared brush, after people have had arm wrestling competitions, whatever, whatever they have happened. There's you know, a safe place around the campfire to have a glass of wine or a bourbon or a Coke or a hot chocolate or whatever it is. And to say, what did I learn today? And, and process it while you're staring into a fire with some safe people. That's all that stuff is really at its core preparation for the conversation and the formation around the campfire. Yeah. In a lot of ways uh,
1: it's, it's just good old fashioned disciple making life on life right. kind of stuff and, and taking it out of the, the normal context When, as you started to dream and God kind of gave you this vision for the different camps and the experiences, was this formed out of your own walk? I mean, were you formed by an experience that uh, drastically changed the way that you saw God or or impacted it in such a way that you're like, yeah, we need more of this?
0: Yeah, no question. I I think it started for me, Tony, when I was, uh, gosh, what was the year? I'm just going to, about, About 2001, 2002, I was in a men's group and some guys said, a guy in the men's group said, hey, I ride motorcycles and um, maybe we should take our wives, go out to Vegas and rent Harleys and and hang with our wives and bond for like three or four days. Hmm. I thought that was the most stupid, um, unredeemable waste of money I'd ever heard. Because I was just... I was all in on building the church and doing everything that was kingdom focused, right? And I went out. We went out there and ran the. But but I thought, well, well, this is discipleship. I'm discipling these guys, so I'm just going to go along for that. Well, we got out, and I think it was on day two. We were riding by the Grand Canyon, and it just dawned. My wife was sitting beside me, and it just dawned on me. I hadn't thought about crossroads for two days. Wow, I hadn't thought about it at all. And I, and I felt. Um, I felt rejuvenated. I felt light. I, I felt bonded with these people. We laughed in the hotel parking lot because we were staying in hotels that day. It was a, you know, it was a a Harley thing and it was really, really uh, profound for me. And that made me think, all right, I need, I need to be getting in environments that are outside the norm. That's really what an adventure is. It's an outside the norm environment. And from that, that just, that just started to build and I started to tack on and add to different experiences have a different type of motorcycle experience um, or other things. And, and, and you know, we're just worn out. We're, 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 worn, we're worn out, Tony. We're, we're worn out and just beat down. The average American is exhausted. The average American is utterly lonely. And the people in our churches are the average American. And so I believe that <laughs> – Whatever the most important work God's doing you if you're in ministry, actually even if you're not in ministry, the most important work God is doing is the work in you. That's the most important work. The most important work of God is the work he's doing in you. In fact, I think sometimes that God had me start crossroads just so he could squeeze me and work on me. Like he had me start crossroads. This is the only way he could, he could use me or the only way he could form me spiritually. Then when we add to it that if He's made us shepherds, of a specific flock, shepherds are effective in as much as they know where the grass and the water are for the sheep. If the shepherd can't get the sheep to grass and water, he's a very ineffective shepherd. And so I always pay attention attention to what grass and water is God leading me to? Because the grass and water he's leading me to is likely where he wants to lead his sheep. And so when God starts working, I mean, normally it's it's to lead other people there as well. So I've, I've been a big, big adventure guy, big get off the grid guy, big get disconnected and unplugged guy because I've seen it have spiritual benefits for myself. Now, do you,
1: as somebody who's uh, managing a, a pretty big movement in your life, how do you set rhythms? Because I, I hear a lot of times from leaders in and out of the church that they don't have time. Like... Oh, I'll never use all my vacation, some of those kind of statements that used to be almost prideful statements. H- how do you, as a leader of a large movement, manage to set rhythms in your life for rest and adventure and rejuvenation?
0: Well, if you're going to lead a movement, it's got to be about more than you. You've got to be able to develop people under you and around you so that you can take more and more time off. And, um, you know, the larger... The larger the thing gets, the more the more time off you need. At least that's that's what I found. Mm-hmm. And I and I tell folks, uh, I tell folks who are on staff that I've I've never been in a meeting where any senior leader said, "Hey, we need to really promote so and so because they work so hard they don't even take up all their vacation days." I've never no one, no no one has ever gotten brownie points for not taking up their vacation days. Right? That's never ever ever ever, ever happened it's critical for us to have those forced seasons of rest. I have a friend of mine who used to run a lab, a neuroscience lab at the national Institute of health for the government. And he said that he found that the people who were at the bench, the longest, the people who put the longest hours in research in the lab had the fewest amount of breakthroughs. And his hypothesis was, once you get past a certain number of time on the job doing the same kind of task, you're not going to have creative breakthroughs. And his in his vernacular, we need to shut down the circuits. I mean, as our, as our mind is boiling and the synaptic connections are going, we need like when we, when we go to a beach vacation, we go camping. It's just, <laughs> it shuts down the circuits. Our, our our chemicals don't boil the same way they were. They not don't go in the same ruts, and then. We fire them back up. We might find new connections and, and new creativity. So maybe this is why God mandated, you know, one day at seven as a minimum. Maybe this is why he had all those festivals mandated. He knew that we needed festivals and different things to do. So you're not impressing God, and you're definitely not going to impress anybody because your lack of, your lack of recreation or, of course, we know it's recreation, your lack of rest is going to lead to you just being average and being normal. That's an, uh,
1: a great perspective, and I think one that people often miss. Um, I, I've heard you say that, uh, that, that friendship for men is one of the most important spiritual disciplines that we can, can grow. And, and I wonder, for the guy that's listening right now who maybe feels really alone, how, how would you tell them or, or recommend to them to get started on that path to real meaningful friendships?
0: I would say, notice for for a man, notice what it is that you like to do, and go do that, and be on the lookout of when you're at that place. Who is it that you you like? Men men are not going to you know. In the old school days, you'd have all these men's accountability groups, and. Guys would get together and look and go, hey, did you jack off this week? Uh, Yeah, I did. You, uh, I did. Okay, I need to be more like you. It was just like sitting around and talking about not masturbating. And uh, that kind of fizzles out because no one wants to show up to just say, hey, do we adhere to the rules to today? Those conversations are important. Sexual purity is very, very important. But having relationships that are formed around are you sexually poor, uh, are you sexually poor, sexually (laughs) pure is going to not last long. But if you say, I like to bowl, I'm going I'm, I'm to join a bowling league. And you see other dudes that are bowling there, you're going to probably start a conversation with them at some point, and you're going to become friends. If you're into motorcycles, you run other people who have motorcycles, you're going you're gonna to become friends. So I tell guys, do something you like to do and look for people who can be friends inside of that. Because guys bond really well when we're doing something together, but it's got to be something we both like.
1: Yeah. uh, For me, water skiing. I could water ski all day long. It's my
0: absolute favorite
1: thing to do. And I found some guys who love to do it early in the morning. It's the best when the water's glass.
0: It's incredible. Yeah. And you probably talk about, you probably get together for reasons other than water skiing too, right? Well, right. During the off season, we get together and have breakfast so that we
1: can talk about water skiing. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> right. Did you see the latest ski that just came out? <laughs> right, right. What do you think about that new robe? You're, yeah, yeah, right. It's, <laughs> That's right. It's it's conversation. And what do you know? If someone sneaks in there, you talk about, yeah, man, this is a conversation I just had with my wife. where We're stressed out about money because of all these things. And, oh, really? What's going on with you and your wife? Yeah, it leads to that. But we've got to have, have the exact same things with guys who overland or do motorcycles. Exactly.
1: Now, one of the things I've noticed is uh, I follow you on Instagram and you use that platform incredibly well. So kudos to you. I love your Q&A days. Uh, I'm curious, how does that, um, how do those days where where you sit there and you'll answer uh, dozens of questions, how how does that impact you as a a medium? How has social media from that perspective
0: uh, influenced you? you mean what you mean influence me as far as how i'm using social media or as how as, yeah as your connection
1: place? your connection to the, the 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 flock that way to hey. use the church term or just a lot. I, I, I would just say that like man people are putting a lot of real stuff out there and that's just as somebody who i, I wonder often like oh how would i answer that question and
0: and you do a great job uh i just curious what that does to you personally i think you have to know I'm. Um, um, uh, Tony, I'm late to the game on this. I really am. We've got um, we have some people in our church who were just early foundation leaders in social media and blogging and all that stuff. And I used to call them losers because if you're blogging, you're a loser and all that stuff. And people are trying to get me to do podcasts. i was like, no, I, I don't need. I've got a I've got a, a, a stage to preach from. I've got that. I don't I don't need to do all that stuff. And I was I was woefully wrong. I was wrong. So in the last year, I've been trying to make up for make up for lost time. And one of the things that I've done and, and I think we as pastors have to do is you have to say to yourself, what is it you want to do with your social media platform? Mm -hmm. What is it that you want? And I think there's a number of different, different things for that. Um, My situation, what I want, I want two things. I want a connection point for people who are already in our church. And two, I want to reach people who aren't being reached by other social media accounts all across the country. That that's what I do. We did an interesting, um, an interesting, we hired someone to do an, uh, an analysis of who follows me on social media. And there was, uh, the top 20 people, um, if we looked at who's and who has people in common with me, like who my followers follow who else? Sure. Um, (laughs) number one, number one person in common was Ellen DeGeneres. (laughs) Wow. Number two was Jimmy Fallon. Huh? Number, uh, the only pastor in that top 20 was Rick Warren at number 19 or 18 or something like that.
1: No kidding.
0: That's the only one. Um, and I was, I was like, wow, I, I, w- I was, wasn't trying for that, but that's actually in my heart. If you take a look at these guys who've got, um, you know, 100,000, 300,000 followers, a lot of those guys, they have churches of a 1,000. They got 300,000 followers. Uh, what, what, what's going on there? Well, first of all, it's good for them if that's what God wants them to do, and that's what they're going for. Great, but what's happening is those guys are all sharing each other's followers. They're not reaching anybody new. Mm. Listen to Hillsong. Listen to Bethel. Okay, that's great. Right. We want different flavors for that day, but I want to be about reaching new people through social media. So my posts aren't just um, aren't just inspirational Bible verses with a cool font. My posts aren't just you know a twenty second winsome, some rant of what I just did this last weekend. Um, there's sometimes that, but they're grittier than that. They're trying to, they're trying to be more encouraging. just giving, trying to give people something they wouldn't expect from a pastor. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not saying it's what you need to do, but you can't just say, I'm going to spend more time on social media. Why? What is it you want? What is the thing you're trying to go? Who is it you're trying to serve and then have things operate with that? Um, the questions are big. I mean, when we do the questions, uh, when I do those, yeah, you know, it's dozens on those days when I do it, dozens. Because I'm not when I do those questions, I'm not trying to serve the theological egghead who wants a thorough theological response to their question. There's a place for a thorough theological response for a sure, question. Sure. It's not in whatever a hundred characters or whatever it is on the screen of an Instagram post. I'm trying to reach someone, to, someone who says, can you really be, like, coherent and have fun and follow God at the same time? That's what I'm trying to do. So I'm not giving ironclad arguments as to why things are. It's just how one man processes this, and it's effective for that.
1: Well, and I, I, I love the, the, like you said, the grit. I, I was thinking to myself, if I was going to describe it, it's like a, a snarky theologian like you're just not going to have the debate with the guy who wants to have the debate. You're just here to say, Hey, this is my opinion. If you don't like it, go follow somebody else. I don't care. Right. I think it's, there's a, there's a beauty to that. And I, I think the way that you approach communication is is really good for that. And, and that does bring me to the, your latest book move, which is a, a men's devotional, 66 different devotionals. So I, you know, why is this the right time for a devotional like this for men?
0: Well, there's not many there's not many devotionals for men, and the ones that are are sort of a female format, except it's for men. Right. <laughs> yeah. So when I say I'm,
1: it's so true, That's, <laughs> I just get <it's> so frustrating.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when I say a female format, I'm um, um, talking about I'm not just talking about the cover with clouds on it right. or something like that. Um, women, women like to talk they like to, they like to go out to lunch and, and just be with one another that's, and that's great, that's very godly that's wonderful guys really don't want to go out to lunch and just be with one another unless there's a point what's, what's the point we're trying to do uh, for the most part, we need to know, are we doing something together? Are we moving? You mentioned the water skiing. Great, we're together, but like we're doing something together. We're, we're water skiing together, or we're going to serve the poor together or something. Jesus didn't come for us to have the right thoughts. Many devotionals are written. So here's a new thought you haven't had. Think about that one. If <laughs> oh, you ever thought about this angle? Have you ever thought about that angle? This is why, by the way, Churches are 70% made up of women um, because most preaching is that way. Let me give you something you haven't thought of, an angle you haven't thought of that way before. Most men are much more action-oriented, many, 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 many women as well. So I wanted to do a devotional that would have scriptural truth, and there are a lot of angles in there that people haven't thought of before, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of angles. I go on a couple of you want me to, but, but the the point of the angles I give people in the scriptures is, so today you move, you do something different. Becoming like Christ means you are doing things Jesus would do. Not you're saying things Jesus would say, not even you're feeling things Jesus would feel. So that's great. That's feel and say, but when you're doing what Jesus would do, then you get to be called a little Christ. That's what a Christian was. Then you're a little Christ. You're actually acting like him. You're moving like him. So that's the heart behind the book.
1: I love it. I love it. And I, I, I strongly uh, think that we need to market more towards men. I think, love the way you communicate that. Uh, I, I know you're on a limited time crunch. I'm, I'm super thankful for the time that you've given me today. Uh, where can people go if they want to follow you? Uh, BrianTome.com, right?
0: Yep. BrianTome.com or social media platforms at BrianTome. Instagram. Yeah, I'm telling
1: you, you got to follow him on Instagram. The Q and a days are some of my favorite days. It sucks up a little bit more time than it should in my life, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's worth. Okay. So the last question I always love to ask people, if you could go back to uh, Brian, young pastor, Brian entering uh, beginning crossroads and give yourself one piece of advice.
0: What would it be? Well, can I get to, try to do two instead. Yeah. Uh, I would say, um, don't be so stressed about money. It'll work out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It'll be Okay. And I mean that church wise and personal wise. Sure. And uh, two, do you have to do that meeting really? Mm -hmm. A lot of meetings I did or just didn't have to do was stupid. I just felt like, good. I'm working hard. I'm going to meetings.
1: Uh, I think that's uh, probably going to resonate with a lot of us. So, thank you so much for the time today. I really do appreciate it.
0: My pleasure, Tony. Great to be with you and your listeners. It was uh, was a lot of fun.
1: Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Reclamation podcast. I know that you love this conversation with Brian as much as I did. Some of the things that really just absolutely stuck out to me is his passion for ministry, his sense of adventure, and the way he is attacking what it means to reach out to other men and grow ministry that intentionally includes men. I just love it. So there are lots of ways to connect with Brian, obviously his podcast, The Aggressive Life, um, his new series on Amazon Prime, and then please, please, please follow him on Instagram. It's such a good follow. He answers so many of our theological questions. As a reminder, don't forget, uh, get out there and sign up for our email list. Get entered to win a book in our January giveaway, and uh, we would love to give you Brian's new book, MOVE. All that will be linked into the show notes. It's my dearest hope that you will continue to reclaim good practices for faith and life.